Uh, we'll be reading from 2 Corinthians 11. So if you just turn there in your Bibles, we just did the reading on it. So I'll just read it one more time, and I'm reading from the NIV. Um, so it may sound a little different from what you have. Uh, so verse 2, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him, but I am afraid. That just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than a Jesus we preach to you, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you pull up with it easily enough. So here, uh, Paul begins with striking words, just in the middle of, of the second letter. And he, and he starts saying, I am jealous. Uh, I think we even read it from uh, the ESV. It said divine jealousy. Uh, he's not attributing this jealousy to himself, as though he has this jealousy for the church. It's a divine jealousy. It's a jealousy, and if you want to turn there, Exodus 34, uh, verse 14. Exodus 34, verse 14. It says, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So this God, who Paul serves, is jealous for the church. But it's not unwarranted, because this is his church. This is the second letter. So this church just had just came out of sin. They came out of adultery, abuse of the spirit, drunkenness, sexual sins, uh, sex outside of marriage. They had uh, been sleeping with their stepmothers, abusing the Lord's table, not treating it with honor. And so now they've repented, they've turned away, and he's jealous. And he's concerned. He says, I promised you to one husband, to Christ. And that's what he could be saying to us today as a church. I promised you to one, to Jesus. Not sin, not anything else, but to Jesus, to his, to him alone. He wants to see you walk in holiness and in love, devotion to him. God has married you to Christ. You are no longer yourselves. And he goes on and he says, So that I might present you, so give you, church, as a pure virgin to him. So think of this. God looks down and he sees his wife. He sees a virgin who is pure. He's cleansed her. But how heartbreaking is it to see a man's wife turn to other things? We even see it in our day. When you see your own wife, or you see another man's wife, distracted by the things of the world, by her job, by her commitments, what jealousy stirs up in the man because he's not focused on him. Can you imagine a bride on a wedding day? She's being presented to her husband. And she hasn't adorned herself. She hasn't desired to be with him. She, she's coming down the aisle and she's unprepared. 
She's looking to every direction. Think of this church. God loves you so much and yet desires that we give his love back. What shame would come on the person bringing that bride down the aisle when she's dirty in the sense that she's committed herself to another man, to whether that was sin, to whether that was the, her job, her career. Purity in Christ, to Christ, is essential in the Christian life. Just as your husband demands purity from your own wife, it's not negotiable. It's what he demands of us. Uh, during the week, I was praying, and, and this, this word came to my mind. It was, honor him. And we can go to a couple of verses where uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, honor him with your bodies. Not just with your mouth, not just with your confession, but with your bodies. Let it honor him. In Psalm 45, uh, we, we get that. Um, but your throne, O God, is forever and ever. It's a, but it's a love song to a king. And in that song, he says, let the king be enthralled by your beauty. That's his wife. Honor him, for he is your Lord. So though he is your husband, he is also your Lord. And she's embroidered garments, and she is led to the king. Her virgin's companions follow her. These brought to be with her, led into with joy and gladness, they enter the palace of the king. So she leaves all else behind. She forgets where she's come from, and she goes and to love the king. She prepares herself. She enters heaven saying, I fully devoted myself to you, my Jesus. But something scary shows up in verse 3. But I am afraid. That should scare us because this is Paul saying this. This isn't just any man. This is a person who used to kill other people, turned to Christ and started started preaching the gospel and was persecuted for it. He survived beating after beating, torture, almost died a couple of times, shipwrecked. And, he's, and, he's, and he always says, I'm suffering, but I'm always rejoicing. I'm happy in all things. I have no fear. Even John says, I have no fear in love. But he's scared. He's scared. That just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that you would be led astray. So this is the warning today to us. Do not be deceived. He goes back to the garden. Eve was robbed of holiness. The devil was waiting for Eve, and he, and he waits for us. He sees what we have in Christ. He sees that we've been promised to one Jesus, to our husband, the one we love. And he waits and he questions. Did God really say that the Bible's true? Did God really say you can't touch of that tree? Or more applicable to us, did he really say you can't do that sin? And it caused her to fall alongside Adam. Because sin not only breaks your communion with God, it affects other people's communion with God as well. And communion's lost. And this is what he's pointing to. He's asking that the church wouldn't be deceived. Don't we remember what he asked Adam when he, as soon as he sinned? What did he ask? Where are you, Adam? Where are you? I don't want to say of me, to say of our churches, where are you, gospel church? 
Where are you, anchor church? May it be never said of us. But the devil has a desire to break this communion. Yes, we are married to one bride. Yes, we are cleansed, but we are now committed to him. And he goes on to say that your minds may somehow be led astray. From what? Your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Careful, church, that our minds would not be distracted away from your devotion to Jesus. When your heart is totally for him. Let me just ask, perhaps this year you're coming into a, a year of victory. You, just like the Corinthian church, had turned away from the past and things that even the other uh, churches may, may have been doing or even um, what they used to do. But he's warning them to be careful. Maybe you have a spark left. You haven't dried out completely, but you have a spark. Reflame it. Don't let it go out. Don't be deceived. Don't let the devil play us. Or maybe you have no spark. And today is the day that you come and you repent. And you commit yourself. You say, I'm turning from everything else. I'm leaving everything behind. And I'm committing myself to this one Jesus. And notice that it's sincere. You may come to church with no song of praise, and you may see a church as a requirement, maybe to check off something. It's not sincere, it's insincere. You do it by your mouth, but not by your heart. Maybe because you lost that love for God in your heart. And it's a pure devotion. You know, reading a psalm or singing a song, even when I read a psalm on stage, that doesn't prove anything. God's not impressed when your heart's not in it. Your songs means nothing if you're thinking on what you're going to do after or you're thinking of the next holiday. As a pure and spotless bride, he wants his bride. He wants your sin in your heart, no unforgiveness that swells up. So, church, how is your devotion this morning? We come into this 2020 um, this is a beautiful church that's uh, turned from things, many have come from things that are wrong. And God is telling us this morning, stay firm. Keep yourself. Do, do we really want to spend the majority of our lives with half-hearted devotion? Uh, if you turn with me, we're gonna, we'll go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah 2, and we just start reading it. So this is the word of the Lord, and it comes to Israel, and, and he tells Jeremiah to speak these words. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, or the churches. This is what the Lord says. I remember. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me. And followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. He remembers. He remembers when you used to worship him with love in your heart. He remembers when church was everything to you. Being among the brothers was everything. That he was enough. And even further, uh, in verse 5, this is what the Lord says. 
what fault did your ancestors, or some translation says fathers, find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. It may be even our families have been drifting away. And he tells Israel this because he needs to remind them, I remember, God doesn't forget that love that you had for him. Remember, it's a relationship. The Jesus came down and gave it all for us. He, he gave up his lives for us. He saw our mistakes and forgave us and picked us up. And he placed you in this world and sees you and knows all your thoughts and walks with you and desires to keep yourself in that love. So how do we keep ourselves in this? Well, prayer. This isn't just a short prayer. This isn't just a five-minute thing we say in the morning. But it's the watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation type of prayer. The spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. The prayer that communes with God, that spends time with Him. And I know many of you know what that's like. Or have known what that's like. Second, keep yourself in the word of God. Let the message of Christ dwell in you. How often do you spend time in God's word? Rather than Facebook. Is it insincere? Or is it pure? Do you check your own heart? If somebody asks you, what have you been reading in the Bible? Do you have an answer? And you don't have to recall something back from six months ago that you saw pop up on your phone. Let the word of God always be on your lips. And thirdly, kill sin. We can listen to God's word, we can speak God's word, yet God may not listen because of unrepentant sin. Like this Corinthian church we're just reading, um, they had just come from sin and he's cautioning them to listen to other gospels and to other things. You could slip and other people could teach you or even lead you to sin. To reject the true gospel and the true voice of God and say, ah, I should be fine. He'll forgive me tomorrow. Remember this, church. We shall all appear before Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10, even before that, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us, and these are Christians, may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So he sees it. In the end of time, we're going to stand before God and he's going to show a record of our life. Sure, without sin. But may he see ineffectiveness, no desire to love him, no desire to follow him. He proclaimed so many times, he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. You know, we hear the term, this isn't legalism, this is a relationship. And I, and I believe that with full my heart. This is a relationship, 100%. But even though it's a beautiful way to summarize it, I don't think we know exactly the full meaning of that. It doesn't mean you can just continue to do what you used to do when you didn't believe. It's not a 75% relationship. It's not a 99% relationship. It's a 100% relationship. Just like your relationship with your wife is 
and you don't let her go sleeping with another man. For those who are married, you, if you perceive um, someone on the outside and you, and you look into another person's marriage, let's say you can do that, and you see how they spend time. How do you know they have a relationship? Well, they're spending time with his wife. How, how do you know um, if he truly loves her? Well, he can't stop speaking about her. He's not ashamed to talk about her. In the same way, when you spend time with Jesus, and we claim to be it's a relationship, but we don't talk to him maybe five minutes a day. We don't, we don't read his letters. We don't talk to him. If someone looks into that, they wouldn't say that's a relationship. They say, well, you're ticking off a box. What if you ran your human relationships like that? You wouldn't survive. They wouldn't even know you. They probably knew, know your name. They probably know that you mentioned some type of weather that day. But that's how we run a relationship with God, and we think that's fine. If someone could look in his spiritual life, would they be able to say, that man walks with God? Devotion to Jesus not only keeps your relationship with the Lord, but it keeps you from false doctrine. If someone says, no, the Bible says this, and Jesus had claimed this, no, you can say no. I know what the Bible says. It goes on. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. He's concerned that the church might be easily led away to reject the true writings of Scripture, the true authority. This can come in the form of questioning the authority of the Bible, the pure, precious word, or even beliefs about His word. For example, no persecution will ever come into your life. Just follow Jesus. No need to stop sinning. Just believe in Jesus. No need to follow God outrightly. It's all right. We have believed the gospel that is foolishness to the world. Let's remember that. It's not the Jesus of the prophet of the Muslims. It's a Jesus who is God who's purchased our redemption. And be wary of even people on Christian television that can lead you astray. And this is why he goes on and even talks about the spirit, uh, the spirit or accepting another spirit the ones of other churches, you have the Holy Spirit and He'll lead you into truth. But you must be connected with Him, talking to Him. A spirit, you have to be careful with a spirit that causes division, maybe sin, that promotes yourself is a false spirit. And in, in, in our churches and even in new churches, the, the devil knows that and he's going to try to uh, attack us from his side. We're not unaware of his devices. So do we see this? Do we... Do we stand on God's word and on prayer? Careful of the gospel that seeks out prosperity, but no poverty in spirit. A gospel that gives forgiveness, but doesn't tell you to crucify the flesh daily. To those who, who proclaim the gospel of the love of God, but you don't want to tell it to your friends. Or you put up with the friends that can easily pollute you. We should be those who believe, but also live it out. And speak it. Be careful of those who, who serve Christ for money. God cares for you, gospel 
And God is heaven. He's looking down and he, and he purchased you and he, and he washed you clean. And he sees you as his bride, his spotless bride, and he wants you to be fully committed to him. That's why he's jealous. He wants you to love him with all your mind, soul, and strength. That's why he commands it. Love him with all your mind, soul, and strength. Why can't we? Life is a vapor, and what we do on earth is counts. It's like a little glimpse that says it, and then that's it. We're in eternity forever. Jesus is waiting for you. He's going to be waiting in heaven to see his bride come to him. Let us not be ashamed to say, I did the most minimum required. Let's be like these men who walked in the Bible. You, you've seen it. You've read, you've, seen, you've read it in the Bible. These men devoted who loved him. He says, that man walks faithfully to me. Enoch walked with, the, walked with God. Remember this. And what happened? He took him up. Because God couldn't help himself and had to take him. He wanted to be with him. He loved him so much. Job, he was a man that followed God and God had to boast about him to the devil. Did you consider Job? Oh, there's nothing wrong with him. He loves me. Could that be said of us? Jacob wrestled with God and he didn't let him go because it wasn't enough to just have some encounter with him. He needed more. Moses. He said, I'll, I'll bless you, Moses, but I won't go with you. You can go further. And he says, no. How could I go? How could I go in my life and not have your presence? Don't let me go. Don't let me go. Wherever you are, God, I want to be. Do we have that attitude? Or do we seek what pleases our flesh? David, a man after God's own heart. Jeremiah, he suffered. He knew that he, would, he wasn't going to be able to speak. He was still a young man. And he said, go speak even though you would suffer. And you would never marry. And he was purely devoted to the Lord. God is patient with us. And he loves us, gospel church. Keep in his love. Remain in his love. And as we close, we're going to close with one final verse. Uh, I believe it's in Micah. Micah 6 verse 8. And let this be in our minds as we go out through the week in this year to remember our pure devotion to Him. Micah 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, or man, or gospel church, He has shown us what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, so to do what is good, to walk in this world in goodness and in, in for Him, and to love mercy, to always be merciful, even to those who who hate you or persecute you, you bless and you pray because you are in love with one husband. You don't get your identity from someone else. And to walk humbly before your God. Are we walking humbly with our God? Are you walking with Him? 
Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for Gospel Church. I thank you that you allowed me to talk this word this morning, Lord. Lord, these churches, Lord, that want to serve you and love you, Lord, you know the devil's plans against the church and how he wants to defeat your church, Lord, but keep Gospel Church. Keep them in your love, Lord. Stir their hearts. Convict them of sin. Lord, and then let them know no foothold for the devil, Lord. Keep them, Lord. I know the great love you have for them. I feel it, Father. You've washed them clean. You see them with pleasing eyes, Lord. But, Lord, keep them, Lord. Protect them from the evil one. And remind them, Lord, to be fully committed because you accept the fully committed ones to you, Lord. The ones who only rely on you, Father. And we put our trust in you. And we ask that your spirit would move amongst us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.